Hi everyone and welcome to episode three of Conversations with the Code9 Foundation. This week we are super lucky to have one of our favourite family members join us, Don Gillies. Welcome Don, thanks so much for joining us. Oh hi Erin, thank you. Now look, let's just start out with something nice and light. When I met you Don, seriously, it kind of changed my life. No, I'm, um, I'm serious uh, because when I, when I met you, I hadn't heard of the Code 9 Foundation. I hadn't met Mark Thomas. I hadn't met Dan Sundahl. And I hadn't met any of these amazing people involved with Code 9 who I now would like to count uh, among some of my great friends. So I would seriously like to start off this podcast by simply saying thank you. But really, that doesn't really feel like that's enough. Um, but, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, it, it uh, was more a, a chuckle on the timing because uh, people won't be aware we met at uh, Daniel Sundahl's first presentation in Australia when he was here in March of last year. And uh, I think it's not unreasonable for me to say that uh, sitting through that presentation of Daniel's also was a... Uh, pretty solid milestone in, in my life. So it was was quite an eventful night in uh, in that sense. And, it was, uh, yeah. That's a big one. And, gosh, geez, a lot, I mean, that was only just over a year ago, but, gee, it feels like a lot has changed since then. It has. Um, we, we've been very fortunate that um, when Dan came over, uh, Code 9 and specifically myself was able to spend the full uh, period of time, about 10 or 11 days, and uh, he actually stayed down at, at my farm in the country for a few days, saw his, his first huntsman, but he, he stayed, <laughs> um, had a wonderful time, uh, wanted to see kangaroos until he was up to his armpits in him in the dark driving along, he just hadn't seen enough kangaroos, <laughs> but um, yeah, we... Um, we got to know Dan very well, and he's been incredibly supportive of uh, the, the foundation and the, the work we do, which is great. To and that's helped us tie in with him and uh, the work that he does as as a real uh, driving force in looking to improve the, the lot of emergency first responders worldwide, especially in regards to their mental health. So it's. Uh, it's been a, a pretty amazing 12 months with, I think, that that being a, uh, a real milestone. Yeah. Uh, and, look, he's certainly an incredible guy. I mean, before he probably came out uh, to Australia, I know a lot of us co within Code 9 and just within the emergency services family in general probably hadn't really reflected too much on this whole concept of post-traumatic growth, but I think once he came out and was talking about it, a lot of us have really gone away and started thinking about it and maybe have reflected much more positively around that whole concept um, of this whole aspect of growth. So, yeah, we can go through some really shitty stuff, but we can come out of it at the other end in a positive way. So I think a lot of us have been really blessed um, for meeting Dan and he's certainly going to be joining us within our conversations with the Code 9 Foundation podcast series later on. So we're, we're super lucky um, to have him join us and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him about post-traumatic growth a little bit later on in the series. But in our podcast with you today, Don, I wanted to put something 
to you. We're not going to reflect too much on your personal uh, experiences with PTSD. Um, most of us within Code 9 are very familiar with your story and we've probably seen you on that fantastic show Taboo not too long ago where, and I have to say, you know, not only did I become very moved listening to your story on that show, but even my husband, I must admit, I was sitting on the couch watching you um, that night, watching that show and, and turned around to see my husband even well up a couple of times with tears. So that was an incredibly powerful um, moment, I think, in that whole evolution of talking about mental health when you appeared on that show, Taboo. So thank you for agreeing to be part of that whole experience. But I wanted to to take some time today uh, to talk to you about how do we move forward? We need to keep evolving in this whole experience around mental health and well-being. And we, we know we had the big Australian Senate inquiry in 2018 and we've had the big national survey as well done by Beyond Blue where over 21,000 uh, of our emergency service personnel took part in that big national survey to talk about their experiences. And so we've done lots of work. We, we know what the problem is, I think, by now. There's lots of lots of data out there to support the fact we, you know, we know uh, that the suicide rate is unacceptable. What do we do to improve it? How do we move forward? And you've been doing lots of work lately around mindfulness and, and you, you love your yoga and we've had personal discussions around that and I, I can't quite get my head around yoga. I, I, I've bought my membership. I still haven't tried it. Um, so here we go. You have about 20 minutes, Don. Convince me and the rest of the sceptics out there around how yoga and mindfulness are really going to help us move forward with our mental health and well-being. Oh, easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, um, I think it, it rolls back to a term that, that you've been using that uh, I had not heard until the night of Dan's first presentation, which is post-traumatic growth. Uh, I'd been floating around trying a few things, trying to get my head around what what did I need, where was I in things. Uh, I was very confused and I think that's not an, un- an uncommon uh, feeling, emotion for a, a lot of us working through the journey is, okay, where am I right now? Am I doing something that's helping or not? And I had all of these various thoughts. I couldn't tie it together and then... Dan pops up, uh, he runs a slideshow in the background of his, uh, of his talk and a slide popped up and it was a fairly simple graph and it described post-traumatic growth in a, in a graphic sense where uh, very simple, a few straight lines, you know, X, Y axis and it was like, uh, a, 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 like a static electric jolt. I just looked at it and went, that's it. That's the, the the phrase and the concept I've been looking for. It gave it a name, and for me, that that really created a, a baseline. There was there was a name for how I was feeling and the goal that uh, that I kind of had for myself, which was to get better. Uh, and that's a really smoky word. I mean, what does what does getting better mean what does it look like um and i I proceeded to have all sorts of chats with dan and uh around about the same time 
Um, I saw Dr. Um, of course, his name will go flying out of my head, uh, Dr. Gil Martin uh, from America, who wrote uh, Emotional Survival in Law Enforcement. He came and did some talks. And I took some elements from his discussion uh, fairly solidly on board. And that's when I started to work out, okay, um, there isn't one easy way to do this. You know, let, you've got to cross the river by stepping from rock to rock. So you, you, you pick your path and you pick your solid foundations that you want to stand on. And uh, so I found myself taking uh, some of the ideas that uh, Dan had introduced with the post-traumatic growth, some of the practical solutions that uh, Kevin Gilmartin spoke of, like uh, realising that you have shrunk yourself into uh, identifying as the uniform that you wear. So it's so common when we, if, if someone asks one of us, uh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a paramedic or I was a paramedic, not I'm a husband, I'm a grandfather, I'm a, yeah, a dog owner, yeah, like those types of things. And he, encouraged, he, he sort of explained how as we get deeper into that identifying as that one thing, all these other elements of our person disappear. And he just quietly encouraged during his presentation that just sit back, have a look and see what of those things have disappeared and pick the ones that you think you would and could be able to do again and revisit them. Uh, take the opportunity to consider things that you haven't done up until now that you've always wanted to do and visit them and just see what works. And uh, as you uh, mentioned before, I, uh, I was introduced to um, yoga and mindfulness at, uh, at different points in the whole process. And um, I, I felt quite attached to those. They, they helped bring me some, some balance, some sense of peace when I'm doing them, that sort of thing. Um, so I've become quite actively involved in them and uh, I go with that flow. The, the first time I experienced mindfulness was when I was doing an outpatients course through the Melbourne Clinic, the 10-week uh, Star Triple Zero course, um, which uh, I would recommend to anyone who's, who's struggling and seeing a psychiatrist, psychologist, discuss the, the possibility of getting onto a course like that. There are various ones. Run so, around for. so for people who aren't familiar with mindfulness, can you just in your own words explain to, to us what, what mindfulness actually is? Absolutely. Um, it's the, there's different ways of, of getting there, but it's the concept of being in the here and now, actually experiencing where you are at this moment in this place. Um, we, we find ourselves preoccupied with... Uh, all the thoughts of the world going through our head and we're worrying about the past and the future and the present kind of just disappears around us. What mindfulness does through processes, uh, I'll talk 
talk about one in a moment, but it, it will it allows you to take the focus away from those uh, possible negative influences at the time and allows you to experience how am I feeling right now and through potentially some breathing exercises or with uh, a particular type of yoga that I'll talk about in a second called yin yoga, it will uh, help you to, to achieve that, that relaxation. It, it gives you a moment in time, a few moments in time, to put aside concerns, troubles, worries, stresses, and just be you, be the core of you. And that, for me, is relaxing. But the first time I experienced it, I, it, it became a little bit of sensory overload. It, it's something that um, sometimes, like, like a lot of things, does need a little bit of practice. So um, there's on... A, uh, an app that's widely available called Insight Timer. Uh, there are literally hundreds of thousands of uh, little mindfulness sessions being run. There's, uh, there's multiple other sessions where uh, generally in, in one of a couple of ways you're encouraged through uh, breathing, not, not doing anything unusual with your breathing, but just becoming aware of it and through that breathing, you'll then, uh, one method is to do a, uh, a body check through that starts with the right thumb, works the way through the body, uh, all the way around, you know, right leg, up through the chest, down through the other side, everything through the left. And that that check-through uh, takes five, six, seven minutes or so, and it's essentially just, okay, um, without moving that body part, have the mind connect to that body part. So uh, uh, people can try it now while they're listening to this podcast, but just without moving your body at all, just try and be aware of your right thumb then your right first finger, second finger, ring finger, just with a bit of a pause between each. And giving your mind that task of actually feeling part of your body without moving it, without, you know, without cheating and giving it a clue as to where this body part is, that gives a, uh, I'll say gives a job to the mind that requires it putting down all of those other stresses and interruptions and thoughts, etc. Um, they're still essentially there, but they've just been popped on the shelf for a minute while your mind is doing something else. And that's a bit of a a bit of a smoker for your, your mind, a bit of a coffee break. Oh, I, like that. I like that idea, a bit of a smoker for your mind. Yeah, yeah, it's... What you're getting it to do is not challenging. You're not getting it to uh, to calculate the sum of quantum physics somewhere, which you know, we can all do, but it takes a few minutes. Um, it's uh, more uh, just asking it to uh, walk around the house once. Fairly straightforward, nothing to it. Just as you walk around, look at each door and window and just see if 
see if they're cracked, do they need a wash, you know, do they need a coat of paint. Just check in on that body and see how it feels. If you find that, you know, a few weeks ago you whacked your thumb with a hammer and you realise, oh, now that I think about my thumb, that still is a little bit tender. Great. You don't have to do anything about it. Just move on, check the next finger. But you, you, your mind and your body are just together for that period of time, not doing anything else but just looking at you. Actually, how are you yeah. as, as a person feeling? And that insight timer one that you just commented on, we, we've shared that on um, Code 9, particularly I know I've shared it on the partners page recently, um, particularly Tristan's stuff. Absolutely. And, um, I was going to get to Tristan. <laughs> yeah, well, we, Tristan will be joining us in one of our future podcasts as well. So, Fantastic, yeah. Um, Tristan is another person that uh, I met several years ago uh, in, in this post-traumatic growth phase prior to meeting Dan. So met with, uh, met with Tristan, did some yoga with him and he, uh, I won't short circuit too much of what he's going to do because he is a fantastic uh, guy, but uh, he practices and teaches yin yoga, which is uh, a lot of people, you, you picture the word yoga and they imagine an Instagram photo with a live young person wearing lycra with, uh, you know, their, their right big toe scratching their left ear. And certainly that's, some people can do that. I most certainly can't. Um, it's that they picture this very physical, almost contest that is yoga. Uh, yin yoga is almost all floor exercises. So you are either lying down on, on your front, on your back, or uh, in some occasions kneeling. And rather than uh, short, sharp poses like uh, standing on one leg with your hands above your head, um, which is tree pose, for 30 seconds to a minute, you'll adopt a pose that you'll actually hold for five to ten minutes. And what we're trying to do with yin is just gently put gentle and steady uh, stress, not strain, on parts of the body uh, that as we uh, transition back from that into a neutral position, uh, we're then encouraging active blood flow to those areas. We've, uh, we've helped open up joints and those types of things. So it's a very different Certainly not passive, but it's a very different type of yoga. It's a, in some ways more challenging also because there is more of a mindfulness component to it because you are spending time in one position. So uh, when you're doing yin yoga, there is generally some, uh, uh, so I'll use the word soothing music in the background, and you will have uh, the, the facilitator at the front just gently talking through the whole time, just so you've got 
a grounding point because that's very important. And uh, so you're like, okay, uh, I'm in this position. When when we run a mindfulness session and uh, a yin yoga session with veterans and first responders, we go to great pains to to make sure that they and their their body, their mind understand that they are in a safe place because there's so much hypervigilance as part of uh, of the issues that, that people struggle with. And what uh, what Tristan has found and what we've found when I've done some sessions is that it allows people to genuinely feel safe in a group, they're generally small groups, and we've had people fall asleep. Uh, I've had a Vietnam veteran who spoke to me after a, a, the first session that I ran of, uh, of mindfulness where he said, I can't believe it. I, I struggled to fall asleep and he fell asleep in about five minutes because I, I had stressed that we were in a safe place. You know, this, this is where you can relax that hypervigilance, you can put that down for a minute. And that's a that's one of the huge elements. It has been for me and it it's a, a constant feedback that that we hear from the newer people that, that come along and are trying these processes for the first time. Yeah. So they can, they can be a little bit of a challenge, uh, especially if someone's in a fairly acute phase. Um, when when someone does do anything like mindfulness or yin yoga for the first time, I think it is important to, A, not expect too much. Don't, don't build up any uh, preconceived ideas about what's, what's going to happen. And let the, uh, the instructor, let the person up the front know and they can yeah. just keep an eye on And that's the advice yeah. you gave me when we had a chat because I said to you, um, I'm a bit concerned. I was very cautious and wary. Like I, like I said, I've I've bought my membership and it's been sitting there, well, and, and fair enough, like the COVID pandemic has sort of got in the way as well. But, yeah, I've bought the membership, but I've been very nervous about actually going along to my first class and we, we had a coffee and you said exactly that, you know, go along but also don't go once and then not go back, like you've got to give it a couple of goes and find the right thing for you. So, Absolutely. And that's where uh, with, with Tristan and with the, uh, the various groups that are being run under the Tristan's group is Blind Tiger Yoga, any of the sessions being run by Blind Tiger. Unlike uh, going down to um, you know, Flash Fitness and doing their yoga class where the instructor – may come up and try and adjust your pose and move your arms and legs to be better in the pose. That they uh, At uh, a yin session, whatever pose you are able to adopt, you're, you're told, uh, for example, a, a, a child's pose, which is on the knees with the, the chest leaning forward with the arms either back towards the ankles or put out towards the front and just resting on the floor. Not a hugely challenging posture uh, physically, but if people have 
knee injuries, hip injuries, those types of things, then that's okay. If the, the person can't adopt that exact pose, see how close you can get. If you can't, then sit on a chair, hands on the knees, and just close your eyes and allow uh, all of the other elements of that particular period of time, work through those. So there is no pressure to, uh, to create an identical posture to, to that that we're running through. It's, it's more about the intent and the, the personal commitment. So, you know, if, if someone does have uh, hip injuries, uh, the intent is to do some yoga and some mindfulness, then let's find out how we can get you to that place without sitting there going, well, sorry, this obviously isn't for you because you can't do this pose. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is really uh, a very gentle form of, uh, of yoga, but it also uh, it does have incredible physical benefits. It yeah. does improve circulation because of that long, slow, gentle tension placed on, on the fascia and, uh, you know, the other, other elements of, uh, of the body that don't have as good uh, a vascular system as, as the muscles, it does improve uh, people's mobility over time. It's, it's not an instant thing. So it's, it has uh, the, the mental health elements, but it is also uh, a, a physical situation. You see some physical improvement as well. Right. We've only got a couple of minutes left. So you sold me on the benefits of it. So, yes, when, when the <laughs> pandemic clears up, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to give it a, a chance. But in terms of embedding it into the wellbeing support programs in emergency services, how do, in, your, in your opinion, how can we go about that? How can we actually embed this into emergency services, wellbeing programs to actually see an improvement in well-being for our personnel? I, I have a, a, a loose idea and I've spoken to uh, the Emergency Services Foundation and uh, looking to discuss a, uh, a scholarship in working out the, the most effective way of introducing exactly that, uh, the, the yoga, the mindfulness into the system and exactly where do we slot it in? And, and my thought is potentially uh, with, if I, I stick with ambulance for a moment, um, we have a, a three-year window during the degree where I would love to see the capacity to introduce some elements early of, uh, of mindfulness and, uh, uh, and the yin to, to help people get a picture of where they are at the best of times. And uh, then during induction, uh, so post-selection, induction, ready to go out on the, the road during their, their gap year, uh, a refresher on that and perhaps an expansion on it and to have, again, within ambulance, the, uh, the peer support group also trained in facilitation of the mindfulness exercises. Um, they don't have to be long. Uh, Tristan on Insight Timer 
has a range of mindfulness uh, programs that run from four or five minutes up to 30 minutes. So sometimes just taking a moment at, at the, the right time and so uh, educating the, uh, the new arrivals uh, in any of the services, but if we, again, if we stick with ambulance, the concept of introducing it during training, then reinforcing prior to immediately going on the road, and then during that gap year where they're absorbing everything they're being told, ideally, they're taking it all on board. If we introduce it uh, as um, as factually and, and as robustly as we deliver all of the, the clinical practice guidelines, then it becomes part of who and what they are when they put their uniform on. And I think that's, that's the important bit. So for me, that's where I think it needs to be, Pre, uh, pre-exposure uh, on, a, on a permanent, you know, before they have permanent exposure to their workforce. And then the, the concept would be to create some sort of model that we could then uh, offer to uh, police, fire, SES, all of the various emergency services that would be able to hopefully take this base model and work with that to create their industry specific. And I mean, if we, I mean, the, the, if the evidence is there to show that this sort of stuff works, I mean, do we, or should we be providing access to, you know, um, yoga or something like we do to access to GPs and, and psychologists and EAP programs to our emergency services professionals? Should that be the next step as well? Like, I would like I think, to see that. I seriously think our well. I mean, I've been arguing for years now that um, our wellbeing support program needs to be a holistic approach. It can't simply be here's a here's here's the number to the EAP program and that's our wellbeing support. Like that's just nonsense. That's not going to work. Like maybe that's the next step in that you know we need to be looking at what else needs to be included and maybe um, this sort of stuff needs to be included as well. Well, I think we can take a uh, a lesson from the the ADF, Australian Defence Forces, who have now put uh, yoga as uh, a therapeutic on their white cards and above, which is the uh, the, the medical uh, health cards uh, given to um, veterans. So they've recognised largely through uh, a lot of Tristan's work behind the scenes, that yoga has a benefit. Um, I would like to see some sort of model structured where uh, during, um, as, as a result of registration now, um, there will be, like in nursing and teaching, elements of professional development points to be gained during the year. And I would love to see uh, and maybe be involved in drawing up a professional development uh, program that's worth X amount of points towards your ongoing registration, specifically relating to mental health slash mindfulness slash yoga. So it's it's seen as uh, something that is as every day as all of the clinical elements of uh, 
of the role. Oh, I think you just uh, wrote your PhD proposal there, Don. So let's have a chat. <laughs> let's have a chat about that later, shall we? So, um... <laughs> no, I think it's it's incredibly important, and I think um, it's it needs to be a holistic approach to wellbeing. Obviously, what we've been doing previously doesn't work. The evidence out there clearly demonstrates that, and um, I think what you're doing is so important. And Tristan has been leading the way, and he's just so incredibly inspirational um, and what he's been doing as well so thank you so much for taking the time to join us today to to talk about um everything you've been doing and for for sharing your story in the past and inspiring so many people to come forward and share their stories as well so and for being just such a um you know important member of the code nine family as well we thank you for everything you do and continue to do um for, for all of us as well so Thank you and, um, you know, go forward and um, enjoy your yoga and your mindfulness and um, we look forward to, you know, everything you continue to do as part of Code 9. Thank you so much, Erin. Yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, I get as much out of Code 9, if not more, than I give, so it's, uh, it's been fantastic for me. Thank you. Thank you.